What's good, super friends? It's your tío Pepe from the mean streets of Sunland Park. We've had a few people ask how they could support us and when we're going to set up a Patreon. We've heard all two of you and decided to set one up. Subscriptions suck. Everyone's got subscription fatigue, so we're making ours like I like my women. Sweet, easy, and cheap. It's only $2. That's less than a pack of cigarettes or a coffee at Starbucks. For $2, you'll get our episodes a week early and we'll send you stickers a few times a year. In fact, our first one's already done and it looks super tight. Eventually, we'll add more perks. Link is in the show notes or check us out on patreon.com slash technically a conversation. In the summer of 1934, two gold miners blew a hole in the side of the San Pedro Mountains near Casper, Wyoming and discovered a cave. While they didn't find the gold they were looking for, they didn't leave the cave empty-handed. They discovered a small 14-inch mummy dubbed the Pedro Mountain Mummy. Its existence seemed to create more questions than it answered. Was the mummy a child? Was it extraterrestrial? Or was it evidence of a little person or nightmaregar as described in Native American oral traditions and folklore? We'll go over all the details on this episode of Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined today by my lovely co host, Elena. How are you doing today? Better now than before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm doing fine, thanks. How about you? I'm doing good also, considering all the internet problems we've been having. Yes, and I will say it again do not get T Mobile Wi Fi people. It's not worth it. <laughs> not recommended. Zero stars. Zero stars. <laughs> All right, let's forget about the internet problems. What are your plans for Thursday? Thursday? What's happening on Thursday? It's Thanksgiving, you silly Billy gumdrop. Oh, yeah. Because we're recording in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're recording in the past, but this this will come out in the future. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> Actually, we're recording in the present, but it'll come out in the future. That's <laughs> what I should say. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, what am I doing on Thursday? Well, usually I cook um, Thanksgiving feast here because Antonio likes leftovers. My husband, he loves leftovers. So we've kind of made our own tradition here. And I cook a turkey and then I make all the sides and I've gotten pretty good at it. My turkey's pretty good. And uh, usually I invite you all for the day after for the recalentada and we do the turkey turkey um tortas tortas de pavo yes but lately you haven't been getting that day off too huh so we haven't done it since covid we haven't done it in a little while i want to say maybe last year we did i don't know i think you were out of town for a couple of thanksgivings no didn't you go like to Crystal Lake or Crystal City or... No. (laughs) I went to go visit Jason at the lake. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. um, It was New Year's Eve or New Year's whatever. And then I called you guys. Um, I don't remember. But yeah, normally I I don't usually have Black Friday off. But I mean, I I get out of work at five, so it's not too late. Oh, okay. I want to say that with the COVID and all of that, like it kind of put a damper on things, but 
I could have sworn that you guys might have come last year. If not, you guys should come this year for sure. <laughs> All right. Whatever you decide to do, don't forget to take the turkey out of the freezer a few days before. Okay. Depending on how many kilograms it is. Yes. How many kilograms do you usually buy your turkey? I have no idea what kilograms is in pounds. And I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we just try to get the biggest bird at the lowest price. Because you know how they charge them per pound. And then different brands will charge different things. So, I mean, they're all turkeys. It doesn't matter. Whatever is the cheapest or whatever's on sale. And then the biggest one we can find so that we have a few days of food with that. We can make different dishes with it. That's a good strategy. All right, enough talking about Thanksgiving, Elena. And enough fucking around. Ready to get started? Of course, let's do it. Great, let's get started. So we're in the second to last week of Native American Heritage Month, and I really enjoyed researching the Wendigo, as well as some of the folklore and real life stories associated with it. And since that was a lot of fun, I thought I would do something similar this episode. Are you familiar with any Native American folklore aside from the Wendigo and the Skinwalkers? I feel like those are the two most well-known stories. Mm, nothing that comes like to mind right now, no. Excellent. Are you familiar with the little people of the San Pedro Mountains? No, but I am familiar with the little people from Emerald City. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I know that you and I are the little people of the Franklin Mountains, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this takes little people to a whole new level. Okay. Is it like the Indian in the cupboard? No. But, well, maybe it might be like that. You tell me. Okay. The following is from a Legends of America article by Kathy Weiser Alexander and an Atlas Obscura article by Jeremy Fugelberg. Links in the show notes. Many Native American tribes, such as the Arapaho, Sioux, Cheyenne, and Crow, have oral traditions and folklore that describe little people who stand from 20 inches to 3 feet tall. That's 51 centimeters to 1 meter for our super friends outside the U.S. Some tribes called them tiny people eaters. Others believed they had magical powers similar to leprechauns and fairies and viewed them as spirits and healers. Tales of these little people are well known amongst indigenous tribes long before the Europeans set foot in America. The Shoshone tribe of Wyoming called them Nymerigar, and their legends told of these little people attacking them with tiny bows and poison darts. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds super adorable. Sounds like a Cupid. Yeah, maybe. The Nymerigar were also known to kill their own kind with a blow to the head when they became too ill to be an active part of their society. While most people dismiss these little people as just legends or folklore, a 14-inch or 36-centimeter mummy found in 1934 by two gold miners in Casper, Wyoming, seems to confirm these legends. Others claim it's a mummified alien. Mm. Let's examine the evidence. But before we do, are you familiar with the Pedro Mountain Mummy? I just realized those words together sound like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Pedro Mountain Mummy. <laughs> uh, no, but I if it's the mummy that they thought was an alien and it ended up being a human being after they tested it, then yes, but I don't know if it's the same story or not. Hmm. Okay, we're going to go ahead and break protocol here, and I'm going to send you a picture of this mummy. So I'm sending that to you now. 
For our super friends listening at home, this will be the episode artwork. Mm, this does not look like the mummified alien that I was thinking of. Do you think it looks human or extraterrestrial? No, I think he looks like Neanderthal, like human, a little tosco. <laughs> so I'll put the alien theory to bed right now. While doing research for it, I saw a few Reddit posts of people talking about the Pedro Mountain mummy. And aside from some people speculating that it might be an alien and Wikipedia mentioning that the mummy has become a part of ufology and cryptozoology folklore, I couldn't find anything resembling a reputable source really talk too much about this. I even checked to see what sources Wikipedia cited for the ufology claim. And of course, there were no citations. Of course. And I really wanted to find something that could open up an alien discussion, but not even the History Channel and Giorgio Sukalos had made that claim, which was kind of a surprise. And who is Giorgio Sukalos? Giorgio Sukalos is the guy with the disheveled hair and all those alien memes. Ah, canijos. <laughs> I don't think that you and I have the same algorithm, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Yes, it's that famous meme that that always says like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it was aliens. And like his hair is, is like all fucking wild and crazy. And he looks like he, like they just woke him up like right before they asked him if it was aliens or something. Okay, so I just pulled him up and no, I've never seen this guy before in my life. <laughs> oh my God, he's even come to El Paso. Mm. He's probably like the most famous quack ufologist <laughs> that there is. Yeah, you know what? I've never seen this guy before in my life, but uh, good to know. Giorgio Chucalos. Yeah, I tell you, your algorithm is going to be a little bit different than mine because I don't, I don't look at alien stuff. That's true. Plus, you're also popular and have friends, and I don't. So, <laughs> I, think, I think we, <laughs> I think we look at totally different things. I'm not popular. <laughs> I think you are. Oh well, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about how the mummy was found. It was in the summer of 1934 when two gold miners, Cecil Maine and Frank Carr, were looking for gold in the San Pedro Mountains, about 60 miles or 96 kilometers from Casper, Wyoming. They thought they discovered a place that might contain gold, so they decided to blow a hole in the side of the mountain, as one does, to see what they could find. Shockingly, there was no gold, but they did locate a cave which was empty except for the mummy. And I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds cooler than gold. Yeah, like, <laughs> you should enter like uh, <laughs> the thunderclap. <laughs> We're talking about a mummy, not a fucking vampire. <laughs> I know, but it just sounded like it would, it would go with it. <laughs> so you know me, I like to put a little bit of pizzazz whenever I'm presenting. Yes. And even though the mummy sounds way cooler than finding gold, I probably would have freaked out and started crying when I, when I, when I saw it. Why? <laughs> crying? I don't know. I'm weird. Tears <laughs> of joy or tears of fear? <laughs> I don't know. Tears that I'll have the mummy's curse or some shit. Oh, <laughs> so fear, <laughs> fear. <laughs> the curse of the mummy. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mummy, not the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> hey, I make it to be what I want it to be, okay? <laughs> All right, fair enough. 
So let me describe the mummy to those that um, like maybe their podcast players don't show them the episode art or maybe, you know, they don't check the show notes. The mummy looked like a small wrinkled old man sitting on the ledge with his eyes closed, arms crossed and feet tucked under him. The skin was brown and dried by the arid Wyoming climate. The nose was flat and the mouth was very wide but with real thin lips. The mummy was so well preserved that its fingernails could still be seen on its adorable little hands. No. The top of the head was covered in a less adorable, dark jelly-like substance that was still pliable, which is super gross to think that someone would actually touch that. (laughs) It's for science. Not only would I not have touched it, I would have gone to great lengths not to come anywhere near any jelly-like substance on any cadaver's head. Yeah, you and me both. But we're also not scientists, so. True. And uh, I also would not have picked it up with my bare hands. I would have used like a beer can and a Walmart bag to pick it up. (laughs) I would not have touched it. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I definitely would have used gloves if there were some. But I wouldn't be there anyway because I'm not a whatever. You're a gold miner? (laughs) I'm not a gold miner, a paleontologist, a scientist, any of the above. (laughs) Same. After discovering the mummy, Maine and Carr took it to Casper, Wyoming. As you might imagine, people initially thought that it was a hoax. Some people thought it was a crudely pieced together taxidermy work. News of the mummy traveled fast and scientists came from all over the nation to have a look at the mummy. Their findings after this quick commercial break. How do you think the world will end? Alien invasion? Nuclear disaster? Another, more deadly pandemic? I'm Jackie Moranti, and I'm the host of Cause of Death, 100 Seconds to Midnight. I talk about the things that could obliterate mankind. I call it pre-apocalyptic nonfiction. The doomsday clock was set at 100 seconds to midnight from January of 2020 to January of 2023. Now, it's set at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest it's ever been. From nuclear disaster to environmental threats to food and water crises, find out how mankind is destroying itself one second at a time. Cause of Death, 100 Seconds to Midnight can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you interested in learning more about history? How about literature? And what of folk literature? If you said yes, then welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, literature, and storytelling. In the Great Khan's Tent, hosted by Saf Big, is a bi-weekly comprehensive episodic narrative podcast focusing on the history, literature, and folk literature from the regions of the Middle East, South Asia, Central Asia, North Africa, Mongolia, and the Russian Far East. We have a number of ongoing series. In our primary series, I will be narrating the Thousand and One Nights, or commonly referred to as the Arabian Nights. Interspersed within this series will be our focus on the history of the regions I mentioned, interviews, and discussions on many facets that I am sure our listeners would enjoy. 
So come on in and listen. You can find us on all podcast streaming platforms, on our website in thegreatkhanstent.podbean.com or on our YouTube channel in the Great Khan's Tent. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to our podcast. We hope to see you there. And we're back. We're back. Did you touch any jelly-like substances on any mummy's heads during our break? I did. I was kind of curious, so I went to go look for one. Yeah, did you smell your finger to see what it smelled like? It kind of smelled like grape jelly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> go wash your hands, cochina. <laughs> yeah, me las lave. I wore gloves. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So what do you think the scientists discovered when they inspected the mummy? Um, well, I'm going to say that it was, they tested it to see if it was human, and it was. Okay, keep in mind this is 1935, so, or 1934, sorry. They haven't done any testing since then, is what you're saying. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm telling you to keep in mind it's 1934. Okay, so, um, I have no idea. They, they didn't have the capabilities to see what the heck it was. Let's see if you're right. Well, before we see if you're right, just looking at that picture and everything that it described, what do you think? I I think that um, it was either like a young adult, like a teenager, I guess, that maybe became mummified because of the weather and not so much because they purposely mummified him to preserve him. Kind of like uh, when you find those uh, prehistoric animals, like the, what's the name of those big furry things that look like elephants, ma mammoths, where they like uh, preserve in the ice. And I, this guy kind of looks a little Neanderthal to me. So that, that's what I think. I'm going to stick to that. Well, that's a very good guess, actually. Like we were discussing, at first, the belief was that the mummy was some piecemealed taxidermied abomination. According to Wiser Alexander, however, anthropologists were surprised when they took x-rays and discovered that it contained a perfectly formed man-like skeleton. The teeth appeared to be overly pointed, like they were a complete set of canines. Oh, wow. The test also showed that the mummy had been killed violently, as the spine was damaged, the collarbone was broken, and a heavy blown had smashed in the skull. Sounds a little bit like the Nymerigar legend we had discussed at the beginning, huh? Yes, it does. Very much. And um, again, just to recap, this is where they kill their own kind when they become too ill to contribute to their society. How very nice of them. <laughs> You're useless to us now. You must die. <laughs> Not nice at all, but I don't know. The only thing that I can think of is that maybe, you know, since there were hunters and gatherers, there were very limited resources. Mm -hmm. So if they weren't able to contribute anymore to the society, they were considered a burden. So that was, I guess, a way to lessen that burden. An extra mouth to feed. Exactly. <laughs> now, remember that jelly-like substance on top of the head? Yeah, how could I forget? Yeah, what what is it? <laughs> that was your favorite part, huh? That was the first part that you tasted. Yeah, grape jelly. <laughs> Apparently, that was exposed brain tissue and congealed blood. Oh, that's gross. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so it's strawberry jam, not jelly. <laughs> I mean, not grape. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that imagery still doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> the scientists estimated that the mummy was a full-grown adult who was approximately 65 years old 
at the time of his death. Oh, he was a little old man. <laughs> so again, how how tall was he? Three feet. He was fourteen inches if he would have been standing up. But since he was like kind of like sitting down cross-legged, I think he was like maybe like seven or eight inches, maybe. Way. And he was a fully grown adult male. Well, this particular examination was allegedly performed by the American Museum of Natural History and certified genuine by the Anthropology Department of Harvard University. I say allegedly because there is some debate about how genuine that alleged examination is. Oh, no. So here, here comes the Nolan twist. You know how I like to do the, the twists. The Shyamalan twist. Shyamalan, whatever it's called. Yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan twist. Or the Nolan twist. Nolan always does the twist. The University of Wyoming stated that when they examined the mummy, the body was found to be a deceased child. I don't know if it sounds like I'm saying diseased. No, it sounds deceased. No, yeah, it sounds deceased. I don't know how to speak good. <laughs> well, neither do I, so... <laughs> According to physical anthropologist George Gill from the University of Wyoming, it's likely the mummy was an infant suffering from anencephaly, a defect that means a fetus doesn't develop major portions of the skull and brain. The mummy wasn't a pygmy or an old man. It was an infant with a birth defect, which is almost always fatal. Harry Shapiro, who was the only name I could find attached to the American Museum of Natural History examination, also agreed it was the remains of a baby. Hmm. I mean, that makes sense because of how small it is. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't think it looks like a baby, but I mean, it's also a mummy. So. Right. And it also was born with a birth defect. So, you know, who really knows? Yeah. Oh, poor thing. According to Natasha Sheldon from History Collection, Shapiro is claimed to have been the person that took the initial x-rays and lung analysis of the mummy and also concluded that the baby suffered from anencephaly. So this again goes against the examination that claimed it was a 65-year-old at the time of death. And I also couldn't locate any other reports that corroborated that the mummy had overly pointed teeth. I tried looking at the x-rays and some of the sources, but I couldn't make out any teeth at all. Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't look like a baby, but maybe a toddler because the, the limbs are long, like the arms. That is a really strange thing is the... The arms, the arms look like they're, it looks like it would be an adult. They don't look like kid arms. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, like a middle schooler. Yeah, but I, eh, I don't know. Yeah, it looks more like a little person than it looks like a child, I, I would say. Yeah, definitely doesn't look like a baby. I, I agree with you. So Maine and Carr, the gold diggers or whatever, the gold miners. <laughs> gold diggers? <laughs> I ain't say she a gold digger. <laughs> she ain't messing with no broke. <laughs> <laughs> so Min and Carr, the gold miners, displayed the mummy for several years as a sideshow attraction, but eventually it was sold and passed through many hands. For a while, it was owned by Floyd Jones, who had it on display in a drugstore and would charge a quarter for people to come look at it. He would also sell postcards of the mummy to spread the word and bring in additional cash. It eventually was owned by Ivan Goodman, a car dealer in Casper, Wyoming. Goodman would feature the mummy in his car advertisements, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. He also created what Fugelberg called a hype poster that claimed that it was a 65-year-old pygmy that was preserved as it actually lived alongside the x-rays of it. Except that the 65-year-old pygmy part wasn't true, but it was a great story and he was able to sell that story. 
And if you're able to sell something, what else are you able to do, Elena? Make money. True. Show me the Benjamins. Well, hold your horses. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Because if you're able to sell something, you're able to steal something. And that's exactly what happened in 1950. Or at least that's one of the reports that it was stolen. Ooh. Other reports claim that Goodman lost it to a con man in New York. Others claim he sold it. But the mummy hasn't been seen since 1950. So if you were wondering this whole time, Why they just didn't do a DNA test on it, swab its sweet little mummy cheeks, and send it to 23andMe? That's <laughs> <Yeah> . why. <laughs> so it got lost, or somebody's just hoarding it? Nobody knows. What do you think, though, based on what like, you've read? That he must have lost it to a con man in New York, and they probably realize how. You don't think anybody's trying to make money off of it, though? I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. That's okay. Tell me, goddammit. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if, somebody's, if somebody has it, don't you think somebody's trying to make money off of it, too? That's what I would imagine. But at the same time, there's all those people. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's um, an airport. I want to say it's like in Switzerland or something. But it's one of those weird places where, like, the U.S. doesn't have, like, any ability, like, to extradite or to send people or something. Oh, yeah, because they're neutral. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. So there's this airport where all these people hoard a bunch of artwork. I mean, some of it might have been acquired legally. I think most of it was probably acquired on the black market or was stolen. So these people, you know, they have this artwork that's worth millions of dollars. Some of that artwork is priceless. There's, there's no way to even put value to it. And these people can only ever visit their artwork when they go to that airport. Because anytime that they try and bring it in, they'll be arrested immediately. Oh, wow. Interesting theory. Yeah, so that's why it kind of makes me think, you know, a part of me makes me, th the part of me that thinks that, you know, everybody's always just looking to make money makes me think that, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, they would be trying to find a way to make money off of it. But there's people that just want it just because it's a one of a kind mummy. You know, there's like no other mummy like it. So, you know, they probably have it hidden away and maybe only like their closest friends and relatives know about it. But, you know, people, like if you tell somebody, chances are that person can't keep their mouth shut. So somebody else knows and then somebody else knows. I don't know. Maybe. I know that definitely would be me. Like if I had that mummy, I would have told every single person that I ever met. Yeah, I would too. And I would have been the first one to swab its sweet little mummy cheeks and send it to 23 <laughs> and me to get more information too. But then I would get caught and I would lose it. And then poke its little jelly brain and send that over for analysis too? <laughs> mm -mm, no, that's already ASCO territory. <laughs> Speaking of mummies, did you ever stop at that one rest stop like when we go to Phoenix or coming back from Phoenix or Tucson? The thing? Yeah, the thing. Did you ever see it? I did. I haven't, but I heard it was a mummy. I heard it was a mummy. Well, That's what I heard. It was a mummy and I went to see it and it looks like a mummy, but I hear that it's like a hoax. It's not a real mummy. No way. Well, that sucks. And people pay for it, like pay to see that. It's definitely cool. It's worth like the five bucks or whatever they charge you mm -hmm. because like you don't just walk into a room and look at it. Like they take <laughs> yeah. you through all this corridor and then like they have cars that were owned by like the Nazis or something. Like they have all this weird stuff in there. Oh, wow. So you get to see like all this weird shit that, This family has been collecting for God knows how long. That's cool. Okay. I'll make it a point next time to see it then because I didn't see it the last time. I had a chance. 
Yeah, and in a way it creates a lot of anticipation because you want to see what the fuck this thing is, but he's showing you all this other stuff and like that other stuff is kind of cool too. So you're there like taking a car, like I think one of the cars was like a, a car or, or a truck or something that was owned by Hitler or something weird like that. Yeah. And then he's got like a lot of other little knickknacks and paddy wags that, it, that he's collected. That <laughs> Give a dog a bone. Yeah. So he's got a lot of weird <laughs> shit that he's collected that he kind of shows you. So it definitely is interesting. Like it's like a, it's more than you just walk in there and look at it and then you walk out. Like you're in there like for a good like five to 10 minutes looking at all the other bullshit. Did you think there was a smell in there when you when you finally got to the mummy? No, but the mummy is like under glass or something. So it's not just like they're exposed to the elements so that everybody can poke its jelly little head or whatever. Right, right. Well, I just say because like when we went to Denver, we went to the science museum and they had a mummy exhibit. And I remember that there was a smell coming from that room and it was only that place. Like the closer you got to the mummy, the stronger the smell got. So I don't know if it had to do with like whatever they used to embalm the mummy or what. I don't know. It was just like a really particular smell that it was just, I had never smelled before. It was weird. Like formaldehyde or something? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure what it was. It didn't smell like chemicals though. It just smelled like Old, I don't know how to describe the smell because I've never smelled it before. But it was my first time seeing a mummy like that. Because there's a, a place downtown, that, that pawn shop, the one that has the Elvis Presley. Have you ever been inside of it? Mm-mm, no. Oh my God, you have to go. They have a bunch of oddities in there. And they have like a person or like the skeletal remains of a person in a coffin. And then they have a bunch of other stuff, which I'm sure are hoaxes too. But it's actually really cool. It's like a little mini museum. And of course, you don't have to pay to get in because it's a pawn shop. But the closest thing I guess I had ever gotten to a mummy was that, like the skeletal person inside this coffin at that place. And then I went to the museum in Denver where they had the Egyptian exhibit and then they had a mummy. And I just remember like, what is that smell? It was so weird. I don't imagine it smelling because I think by this point, pretty much any moisture that it would have had, it would have dehydrated. Now that it's dehydrated, I don't think there would be a, an opportunity for bacteria to form. And bacteria is what would cause the odor. So unless it was something else that was being preserved, I don't think it would be the mummy. I mean, I'm sure it has some type of smell, but it's not going to be like a rotten smell or, or something weird like that. Yeah, it wasn't rotting corpse <laughs> smell, but it did smell like old. I don't know how else to describe it, but... I don't know. I'm just wondering if the it, no, the thing, I mean, had a smell too, or maybe it was just me. No, there was no smell. And I just sent you uh, some pictures of it. I see it. He has a hat covering his pito or what? I guess. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that was not something that I really thought about, but (laughs) I guess so. We we know where your mind's at. (laughs) (laughs) My mind's always in the gutter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. According to a Star Tribune article by Brendan Burke, a Syracuse, New York man named John Adolfi offered to pay a $10,000 reward for the mummy in 2005. First of all, flex. Second of all, you're probably thinking, how sweet, he probably wants to return the mummy to the Shoshone people so they can have a proper burial and it can finally be put to rest, right? No, that is not what I'm thinking at all. Okay, great. Then you also see the worst in humanity. I do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, apparently uh, John Adolfi is a Christian creationist, and he wants to conduct DNA tests, x-rays, and MRIs in the mummy because he wants to prove that the mummy is a previously unknown prehistoric relative of man. By doing so, he believes it would poke holes in the paradigm evolutionists have created regarding human origin, and this will disprove evolution somehow. Orale. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused about that too. Why does he want to disprove evolution? Because he's a Christian creationist. Lord have mercy. Okay. So according to Burke, Adolfi's website called BibleLandStudios.com was supposedly going to be kicking off a worldwide treasure hunt and offer a bunch of rewards for artifacts that went against accepted scientific and historical paradigms. I couldn't find any of those rewards, but the website looks like a seventh grader made it as part of an assignment. And it, <laughs> it's really hard to read as a lot of the text is not formatted well. Like there's literal black text over dark images. Also, the website doesn't appear like it's any priority for this person because it's only been updated 60 times since 2004. Only. Only. Yeah, I think we update our website more than that every year. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course we have to. The closest thing I could find was a post from June 27th, 2005 that was offering a small reward for odd fossils. Specifically, they were looking for giants, fossils, and uparts which stands for out-of-place artifacts. Do you know what that is? I do not, actually. Okay, I wasn't familiar with the term either. And initially, I thought that they were looking for stuff like seashells in the desert or something like that. But what they were really looking for was artifacts that appeared to be too advanced for the technology known to have existed at the time. So I guess it would be like those videos and pictures that were really popular a couple of years ago. Like, look at this time-traveling hipster with a modern camera in this 1941 picture. Oh, yeah. Or this lady using a cell phone in this 1938 film. But what they would want are the actual camera or cell phone. I'm also not sure how that would disprove evolution, but okay. Sure, why not, right? <laughs> so going back to the Native American legends of the Nymeragar and the small people, does it mean that they never really existed? Excellent question, Elena. But before I answer it, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look like a fake. I think it could be true. I think they could have existed, but I don't think they were Indian in the cupboard type people, though. <laughs> no, I definitely don't think that either. But um, as far as the Pedro Mountain mummy, that definitely was not a, a small person. That was just premature child with a birth defect. Well, they're saying that it's a premature child based on studies they did back in what year? 1934. In 34, I don't know. I think they should maybe retest it because it doesn't look like a baby. I don't even think babies would have looked like that back then either. The long, the bones, they're, I don't know, they're just too long. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think it's this mummy, but there is actually physical evidence for a race of small people that existed in the U.S. According to Sheldon from History Collection, not Big Bang Theory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The Anthropological Journal and New York Times both reported in 1876 about a six-acre graveyard that contained the bodies of between 75,000 and 100,000 pygmies in Coffee County, Tennessee. The bodies were found to have been buried in a sitting or standing position. Initially, it was thought that these bodies belonged to children, but the skulls were found to have wisdom teeth, leading investigators to believe that they belonged to a dwarf tribe 
of people about three feet high. How cute! Wow, it was a. It appeared to be a mass grave of seventy-five thousand to a hundred thousand pygmies. So, well, that's not cute, but just just a dwarf tr- dwarf tribe sounds cute. Yeah, I I kind of would want to see one to see what they look like. <laughs> yeah, there was also a similar graveyard that was uncovered in eighteen thirty in Coshocton, Ohio, which I'm sure I, mis- I mispronounced that, but. It contains skeletons belonging to a pygmy race, according to Don and Diane Wells from the Mount Oglethorpe Foundation. They were called the Cherokee Little People. Apparently, a bunch of small tunnels were also discovered while constructing Western Carolina University near Silva, North Carolina, in the 1930s. They found small bones and skulls with wisdom teeth, indicating the skulls did not belong to children. That's pretty crazy, huh? I don't. Ever remember learning about this in school or university? Yeah, heck no. That's just something they don't talk about. I don't know. There, maybe there aren't that many hours in the day, but there's a lot of things that we didn't get taught that we should have been taught. Yeah, and、um, I did try to find more information as to why all these mass graves of indigenous little people tribes existed, but I wasn't able to find anything. And like I was saying, most importantly, I was hoping that it wasn't、uh, mass genocide or anything fucked up like that, but.、Um, I couldn't locate anything. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, usually when you see a mass mass grave like that, it's like cult cult like behavior.、Mm. So maybe that tribe thought it was the end of the world based on whatever beliefs they had, and they just all drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, but seventy five thousand to a hundred thousand—that's kind of a lot. Like it would have been maybe like a couple hundred, maybe, but that many. Like that sounds like they pretty much went. And they wiped out their entire race. But for what reason? Just because they didn't want them around? I don't know. I mean, it could have been a disease. I don't know. I don't think it would have been the Europeans. I mean, it might have been because they were kind of assholes. But I think they might have written about it had they seen them. Yeah, maybe it was an asteroid. Just kidding. Like the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but who who buried all of them sitting down or standing up? I don't know. That's weird. It's the cult leader who just let them all die, and then he and his. Main people stayed alive and did that. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe it was something like a disease or something that wiped them out, or maybe there was like another tribe or another group of people that came and just like just slaughtered all of them. Yeah, it's weird. But I mean, if they're all like sitting down, it's well, not all of them, but like a lot of them are sitting down. It, it's kind of weird that they. I don't think they were placed in that position. Maybe they died in that position.、Uh, I don't know. And then years of erosion and all that stuff caused them to be buried. Maybe I, I I would much rather think that than that it was some type of genocide or something. Right. Yeah. And on that note, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Since Elena said erosion, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Follow us on the socials at greetingstac. Email us at greetingstac at gmail dot com, or leave us a voicemail at nine one five three one seven sixty six sixty nine. If you have a story to share with us about the Indian in the cupboard, no, just kidding. I don't think you're supposed to be saying Indian. <laughs> hey, that's the that's the name of the movie, man. Eh, there's a lot of names that are. We're not supposed to say anymore, Elena. It's the '90s. Get with the program. It's not the '90s, but okay. <laughs> <laughs>